Luke's Gospel, 23, verse 27. And there followed him a great company of people, and of women which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear and the pups which never give suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, the one on the right hand and the other on the left. We'll just leave it there. Keep your Bible open if you have it with you. Will you bow with me just in a word of prayer? Eternal Father, we thank you again for the wonderful turnout this evening to the drive-in. Father, you know every heart every soul, every man and every woman, boy and girl. You know everyone in the precincts of this place. You know they're standing with you, whether they stand still in condemnation, under wrath, toward judgment, or whether they are forgiven in their standing, righteous, declared justified through Christ. Either way, Father, we ask you this evening, that you will bless every heart and every head. Draw by your Spirit men and women to Christ. We pray this evening that no one would leave this place without knowing that they're right, that they're ready, that they're saved, forgiven of their sins, born of the Spirit with life from above into God's family divine justified fully through Calvary's love. And may they say, oh, what a standing is mine. So glorify your son and help me to speak well of him and for him this evening. We ask it in Jesus' wonderful, precious, most holy and mighty name. Amen. It says here in our reading, there followed him, a great company of people. There followed the Lord Jesus, a great company of people. I couldn't help but wonder, when I read this little verse, when I read this line, it struck me that there followed him a great company of people. They were walking with him in Jerusalem, Following after him, he's going down the Via Dolorosa, the sorrowful way, winding his way through the streets, across the brook, and of course, to the Mount of Olives, where I believe he was crucified. Notice this, friends. Notice this, brothers and sisters. There was a great company, a great multitude 
that followed him. I couldn't help myself but wonder when I read this. The crowd that day had cried, away with him, crucify him, crucify him. We will not have this man to reign over us. And now they're following him. Women are lamenting and they're weeping on the streets of Jerusalem. And I have to ask myself why? When he is despised and rejected of men. He's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. We can't help ourselves but ask, why were they even sobbing or weeping or crying in the streets of Jerusalem at the Lord Jesus Christ as he went down the Via Dolorosa towards Calvary that day? Where were the crowds when they cried those things? Where were the tears? Where was the weeping? Where was the mourning? Just moments to hours beforehand when he stood at Pilate's judgment hall, when he stood at Gabbatha, the place where he was to be judged, found innocent, found innocent, yet sentenced to death, yet sentenced to death. Some justice, isn't it? What sort of justice is that for a man to receive? What sort of justice is that for the for the unguilty, for the innocent. What sort of justice is that? Such an unjust man and crowd and multitude of people. Pilate wanted to let him go. Pilate brings him out to the crowds and he says, Behold the man. In other words, the word behold gives the idea there of shock, Oh, amazement, now look ye here, catch what I'm showing you, take this vision in. That's the idea of Pilate bringing a battered, a bloody, and a bruised Christ to a crowd at Jerusalem, baying for his execution, for his death. He was crying, Behold a man. In other words, Pilate was saying, Look at him. Hasn't he had enough? Hasn't he went through enough punishment this day? For they had battered him and pulled out the hair from his beard according to the scripture. His face was marred more than any man's. And here... He stands before this crowd. And he stands there innocent. Innocent of every charge that was laid against him. Throughout that evening, he was taken to Annas and Caiaphas, the high priest and his son-in-law. He was taken to their house. They could find no fault in him. He was taken to Herod. And Herod found no fault in him. He's taken to Pilate, and Pontius Pilate found no fault in him. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, The devil or Satan cometh 
And he findeth nothing in me. Nothing worthy of death. No guilt. No sin. Nothing to be ashamed of. And now he stands before the crowd. Pure and spotless. Innocent and holy. Righteous and just. The only man that ever lived. To keep the law we could not keep. And to live a life we couldn't live. The only man who could call himself the unique son of God. And they cried out, crucify him. Crucify him. Here it says in verse 27, and there followed him a great company of people. Hereafter the whipping post. Notice hereafter the Roman flagellum. It was a whip with leather and lead and bits of sharpened bone, ragged on the edges, used to take to the, uh, the one that was to be whipped. And there the soldier, aiming his strike, knowing his craft, would turn back the flagellum and know how to whip it with full effect, whipping into the flesh, cutting into the back of the precious Son of God. One... Two, three, four. And the crowd could hear the lash after lash after lash after lash of the Roman flagellum. And every time it struck the flesh on the back of our beautiful Savior and was retracted by the Roman, he had to pull with strength and Pulled with might because it would have went right in and gripped like fishing hooks into the flesh, through the skin, into the very meat, the back of the Savior. And there are many a man who stood at the flagellum post who were bent over to take the lashes, died there. It is said their very kidneys would be seen. Their very innards would spill out at times. From this flagellum whip. Oh the cruelty. The unjust cruelty. Of what they led. Upon our Lord Jesus Christ. And there he took it. He took it all. He did it all. And he bore it all. And on the way. Down the Via Dolorosa. Oh it's called right by its name. Because it's a sorrowful way. There he is a man of sorrows, okay. And he's acquainted with grief, all right. And it's not a wonder that that hymn writer got it 100% right when he says, Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah. What a Savior. There he went. And this company, a great company, followed him. Followed him. Where were they? I think of the company through the Gospels. The great multitudes that followed him. I think of them as they gathered around the banks of Jordan. They're being baptized by John the Baptist and he comes among them to be baptized. I think of those multitudes and gatherings and great companies that 
came after him when their loved ones were dying, when they were looking for help, when they needed a touch from the master's hand, when they needed a word of encouragement, when they needed to hear some, something of hope, something to help. There the multitudes would gather around him. In Galilee, they came around him. In Judea, they gathered around him. And they gathered around him day after day. I can see them as he got them to sit down in groups of fifties. That he might feed every one of them. That he might feed their very hungry children. That he would have taken the bread and the fish. And he would have done a wonderful miracle. And as he broke the bread and the fish, he not only fed the men, but he fed their women. And he not only fed the women, but he fed their children. That not one of them would lack, nor be in want, nor hungry. That would faint on their way home. The caring, compassionate Christ. I think of the multitudes around him. I think of they followed him. They ran up to him. One has a spirit. A dumb spirit where one cannot speak. And one cannot hear. One cannot walk. And one full of devils. And, and their sons and their daughters. And men in tombs and in caves. Wanting to follow the Christ of God. I think about it. I ponder over it. When I read that verse. I, I couldn't get it out of my heart. Multitudes followed him. Great companies followed him. And yet we're told on the day when he entered into Jerusalem. What we call as Palm Sunday. They tore down the palm leaves. And they strewed them on the road. And as they found them. As their king was coming in. He came on to his own. And his own received them not. Within five days. Within five days. Their mood had changed. They cried unto him. Baruch Abba. Bashem Adonai. Baruch Abba. Bashem Adonai. Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Save, O oh, save, they're crying. He is the king of Israel. Oh, they're so glad. People say they're a different company. I don't know. But within five days, Jerusalem was in an uproar. The Pharisees and the scribes and the Jewish leaders got among the people and had turned their very hearts away from Christ. And the multitudes cried. And the idea isn't take him away and crucify him. The idea is the place was thronging with people that were there. For the Passover, the people place was thronging with thousands, thousands and thousands of people. There they're coming with a lamb. 
There they're coming with their own little lamb. And there all the time. They don't see. They don't believe in. And they reject the lamb of God. That taketh away the sin of the world. And so the crowd cries going in. He's our king. He's our champion. He's our Messiah. He's our hero. And five days later, a great company is following him with women weeping. I don't know if they were weeping from a heart that was endeared. I don't know if they were weeping from a heart that was endangered. Or if they were weeping from a heart that endeavored to see him crucified. Our Savior did not deserve it. But he went all the way to do it. He did it for me. And he did it for you. He did it for me. And he did it for you. Let me ask you, friend, what crowd would you run with today? What company would you keep? They follow him down. Women, the women are lamenting and the women are mourning. For all we know, they were paid professional mourners of the day. Christ bore the burden to Calvary. And there he suffered and died alone. Notice here, there followed him a great company of people and of women which also bewailed and lamented him. You know the scripture says in Exodus 23 and 2. Follow not a multitude to do evil. Follow not a multitude. I could say to reject Christ. Follow not the multitude who do not want to know him. Follow not the multitude that rejects the word of God. Follow not the multitude to do evil by the rejecting of Christ and his work on the cross of Calvary. Follow not a multitude who rejects the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus that was shed at Calvary for the full and total remission and cleansing of all of our sins. Because it's evil, friend, to reject him And it's evil to add to what Christ hath already done on Calvary's tree. Here we find this multitude followed the women. They bewailed and lamented. Notice what the Lord Jesus says in verse 28. But Jesus turning unto them said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Weep not for me, he says, but weep for yourselves, for your children. What a strange thing to say. Let me tell you why he said it. Because Matthew's account. Matthew 27. There when Pilate has him, and he offers them Barabbas or Jesus. 
which is called Christ. Whom will ye that I release unto you? Whom will ye? Barabbas, who was a robber, a seditionist, and a murderer. Or Christ. They chose Christ. Or pardon me, they chose Barabbas over Christ. They chose him. Listen, Barabbas means son of a father. Son of a father. The Lord Jesus is the son of a father. Who would you choose tonight? Who would you choose tonight? Barabbas, representing everything that's wrong and wicked and evil, or Christ, the son of a father, any father, or the son of the father. Barabbas was a murderer. Christ was the Messiah. Barabbas was a seditionist. Christ was the Savior. Whom will ye that I release unto you? Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ. Who would you take tonight? Would you be like the crowd to say, ah, yeah, yeah, Jesus, yeah, that's okay. But when they cry, crucify him, you're with the crowd. But you know, find rightly on your own. In the wee hours of the night, when everything is still and quiet and silent, and the world seems to be asleep. You hear the Holy Spirit's top. I pray if you're not saved tonight, and if you don't get right with God before you leave here tonight and every night, who will you choose? Who do you want? Are you saved? Are you rejecting him? Let it not be the death toll because then it's too late. God, the Holy Ghost, is here. God, the Holy Ghost, is the witness. And God, the Holy Ghost, is speaking now. It says in our reading, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and your children, Barabbas or Christ, and they pick Christ. Pilate says, for, for what, what wrong have he done? I've found no fault in this man. Three times he says that. They cried and bade. They begged for the blood to be shed of Christ. Listen, friends. Yes, it's true. It was the Jews who cried it. And it's true, it was the Romans who carried it out. 
And I'll tell you, it is true. They were the instruments because of our sin. We did it. He did it for me. And he did it for you. He says, weep not for me, for yourselves and your children, because they cried, let his blood be on us and on our children. What an indictment. What a curse to bring upon your own children. Are your children living in a godless home? Are your children living in a Christless environment? Will they grow up to be Christ rejectors too? That's why he said it. And listen, in AD 70, AD 70 Titus, the Roman prince came and they encircled and encamped around Jerusalem. They starved the people. They ended up eating their own babies. And they eventually took the city. They went into the temple that they held so highly and dearly to. And this is what they done. They there was a fire started in the temple and all the ornate gold melted and came down through those great big stones. And they ordered for one stone to be taken off to get out the gold that's round down. Just as Jesus said, one stone shall not be left upon another. So they tore the temple down and raised it to the ground. Just as Christ had said, one million Jews were either murdered, they died of hunger, or they were crucified around the walls of the city. But I'll tell you, Jesus had also warned, when you see these things, and the armies encamping around about, he says, flee unto the hills. And those that were Christ's and believed his word, they would have escaped before it happened. See, friend, Christ has given you his word tonight that you might flee from the wrath that is to come before it happens. Before it happens. Oh, I have plenty of time. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Not so many years ago, I got a phone call to go to a house where a young man had went to his work that morning, put on his boots, went to his workplace. And he died in a terrible accident. Never had a chance. And there, his parents were go going to have the grievous and tragic and terrible news broken to them. And I got there with the police. Your son is dead. 
what devastation it brought to a family. You see, friend, no one was expecting it. And no one knew what that day would bring forth. A couple of thoughts and I'm finished. Notice in our reading, the Lord Jesus says, of those in the terrible nature of it, in verse 29, For behold, the days are coming in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bear, and the paps which never give suck. In other words, you haven't got this awful, awful sense of loss, of losing a child. So those who were grieving to have a child and couldn't, those parents would now be saying, those mothers, you're blessed because you don't have this on you. Titus would come and this would happen. And then it says in verse 30, then, they, then shall they begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills cover us. Even in his agony and even in his pain, the Lord Jesus was speaking scripture to them. Where's the scripture? When you go home, you look up Hosea chapter 10. And off my head, I think it's about verse 7. He's quoting the prophet. Going to want the hills to fall on. Greater still is the judgment that is to come. We're told that he's crucified in verse 32 with two malefactors and they're led with him to be put to death. And verse 33 says, And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand, and the other on the left. Notice, and when they were come to the place which is called Calvary. Calvary. We sing about Calvary. We preach about Calvary. We talk about Calvary. Do you know Calvary is only mentioned once in Scripture? And it's in this reading in Luke's Gospel. It's called Golgotha in Mark, Matthew, and then Mark, and then John. It's called Golgotha. The place of the skull. Calvary is Latin. And the Greek rendering is cranium, where we get the word for your head from, the cranium. And here we find the one time this word is used, yet it's so powerful and it's so potent. Actually, when we go to the other three renderings of Golgotha, the root is Golgoth. Golgoth, and it's where you and I would hear the word excruciating in our English language. We get that from that root word for Golgotha or Golgoth, and it means excruciating, something that is so painful, it's excruciating. Friend, if you've ever experienced excruciating pain, What must Christ have felt for you? That's physical. What about the spiritual? 
that we could never know. It says here, and when they were come to the place called Calvary, I finish with this. I think of when the Lord Jesus was being baptized in the River Jordan. Being baptized there, we know the voice from heaven and the spirit descended like a dove, form of a dove. And the voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Father said, The one you're baptizing, John, this one here, forget everybody else, the crowds, the companies, and the multitudes, this one, this one here, this is my beloved son. The words are agapetus weas. It's where we get the word agape. A love that's drawn out of the heart according to the preciousness of the object that is loved. The object that is loved was the son of God, the love of his father the darling of his bosom. He draws the love out of my heart, says the Father. This one you're baptizing is my beloved. He draws my love out of me. That's what it means. That was at the River Jordan. Up the mount, Matthew 17. Peter, James, and John are taken up with him. It's known as the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus changes, where the deity cannot be uh, covered any longer by his humanity. His face glows brighter than the noonday sun. His garments are glistering with the deity of Christ. There they see him and a voice comes out of the glory says again, this is my beloved son. There he is in the water. Here he is on the mountain. And on that mountain, this is him. The father says he's my beloved. He calls out the love from my heart. In the river, on the mountain, but on the cross, Jesus cried, Eloi, Eloi, Lama, Sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was forsaken that we might be brought in that we might be reconciled to God. He was forsaken. Here's the closing question, friend. Since he is the love one that calls out the love of the Father's heart, on the river, on the mountain. And the Father, as it were, 
turned his face away when he was on the cross. Because of your sin, because of mine, he paid the penalty. Here's what I want to ask you. Friend, what do you expect to offer to God? What do you expect of your own self, of your own doings, whether it's your alms and your deeds or your religion or whatever? What do you expect to bring to God to offer for your salvation? Since he saw his beloved in the water, on the mountain, on the cross. How do we, the audacity of us, the audacity of man, to think that we could do something or give something for our salvation when the Father hath given His Son His love. The darting of His bosom. That we might be saved and forgiven if we place our all, our hope and our trust in Him. Friend, don't leave here tonight. Even as our brother Billy sang, where you don't get another chance to pray, to call out upon him. Like that young man went to work, put it on his boots. And by 24 hours, he was in a, in a mortuary. Someone else was taking them off. It's solemn. And it's sobering. But such is the message to waken up the soul that you might be saved. God bless you this evening. We'll be waiting here as usual. I'll be here. If you're not saved and you want to talk to me, talk to me here. We'll bring you into a room there. Being kindly supplied for us. As has it all. We'll talk to you about your salvation. Talk to you about the Savior. And we'll point you to Christ. Stand down there and park around the side and we'll talk to you about eternity. May God bless you all. Thank you again for coming. Thank you each and every one of you. I know at times my throat goes, but by the time I finish preaching in the morning and singing, it's just not great by the evening. When it gets all right, it's not sore. But listen, friend, I'll sing and I'll sing and I'll pray and I'll preach and I'll talk until Christ returns, comes or calls. May God bless you this evening.